Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by John Gross of Fat Earth, a full-service performance marketing agency with a soft spot for mission-driven brands. John shares stories from consulting for local service brands to shifting to the D2C and CPG industry. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by John Gross of Fat Earth. John, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Cameron. I really appreciate it. Of course. Uh, well, I'd like to get started with your upbringing. Uh, where did you grow up and what would you say your childhood was like? Oh, um, yeah. So I grew up actually in South Louisiana, um, a small town called Port Allen, just outside of Baton Rouge, right there on the Mississippi River. Really great place to grow up. I think I had a pretty, pretty normal, traditional uh, childhood, um, you know, raised by my mom and, and four, four, three siblings on the youngest of four, big community in South Louisiana. Um, aunts and uncles lived on the street, just like a lot of you know family involvement and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, went to walk to school every morning, little tiny town. I think there's like maybe like five or eight thousand people in Port Allen where I grew up. So pretty standard. Um, you know, not a whole lot to say. It was actually you know nice. I really I really enjoyed my childhood. It was it was pretty pretty straightforward to be honest with you. For sure. Uh, yeah. Growing up, would you say you had an entrepreneurial mindset? Uh, say lemonade stands or selling products. I think I did. I mean, I think I was always excited by, you know, the opportunity to do something uh, on my own. I think as a kid, I was probably overly rambunctious and um, maybe a bit cocky and didn't really understand what that was and maybe how to to use it. I wasn't maybe really big in the lemonade stand kind of thing, but I always had a lot of ideas. I always thought that there were things that we could, that I could do better. Um, yeah. and, and as a kid, it always probably... I wasn't mature enough, I think, to understand the right and the wrong way to go about handling the things that you think you can do better. I think as an entrepreneur, um, as yeah. I've grown and actually gotten into that, that's one of the biggest challenges. Is, you know, everybody thinks they can do everything better. There's always millions of good ideas, but really it's like the execution and how you do it. So I don't know. I think I was probably pretty average in terms of like my desire to really do something on my own. Or, you know, I think as a kid, no one would have said, yeah, that he's got a really entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. But I always um, was looking for better ways to do things, I think, as a kid, yeah. Totally. Uh, what, what kind of aspirations would you say you had growing up? Um, and then going into college, what did you end up studying and where did you go? Yeah. Um, I think kind of going back to that, like I I played a lot of sports. I had a, a pretty big social life in high school and college. Um, and frankly, like my career was not something that I thought about a lot. In South Louisiana – um, a lot of very similar types of jobs. He wasn't really exposed to the broader world of maybe the startup communities and these, you know, things that now I consider to be really exciting. Um, you know, when you get out of, out of high school, if you're, if you're living in Baton Rouge or, or Port Allen, where I'm from, I'm, I'm 15 minutes from LSU's campus. LSU is very affordable if you're in state. And so the opportunity or the the thought process there was very much like, well, it's by default. I'm going to go to go to high school. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to LSU. I'm going to yeah. get one of a handful of degrees, something to be able maybe medicine or a lawyer or something very tangible, um, those very traditional type of roles. And it wasn't really until I was probably like a junior in high school, sorry, a junior in college, where I really actually started considering like what I wanted to do. I actually went into college thinking I wanted to be a dentist. And the reason was because I just um, – it just seemed like a good career. I didn't really think about yeah. what I really enjoy. I just saw people living maybe a certain lifestyle. Um, ended up getting into college. I was a really good student. 
but ended up not making amazing grades for like two semesters in a row and mm. uh went to meet with with someone that uh, a mentor who was a, a an older guy in the dental dental world or someone that i knew he was like look you need to get back on track or this is not going to happen i think i realized at that point like i was maybe doing it for the wrong reasons and started taking a lot of different courses ended up taking some classes like in the environmental science world and just fell in love with it um really loved the scientific approach the methods the way that these classes are being taught and the way that they were encouraging us to think. And then obviously the subject matter with environmental sustainability and mm-hmm. things like that were always really important to me. And it felt like a really good way for me to put those two passions together. Yeah. Uh, but even then I still had no idea like what I wanted to do with it. I just was enjoying the context and the coursework. Uh, so that's kind of how I ended up in getting into environmental science and uh, yeah, ended up getting a degree, went to LSU um, had a really great professor there who ended up kind of taking me under his wing. He ended up leaving my senior year and going to the University of Georgia. Mm. So I followed him there, got an internship as a graduate student, ended up doing this really large research project on uh, wild turkey. So a bit of a probably a bit of a, of a, of a curveball here for, for you to think yeah. about me out of the woods, trapping turkeys and doing this big research project. But I think it was actually pretty informative for me because really when you go to graduate school, in some of these fields that aren't so coursework based, coursework based, they give you a problem. They say, John, we want to understand this question. And I think that's what entrepreneurship really is, is you're, you're working towards an end goal and you don't really know how to get there. And that end goal is maybe going to change. And so for me, it was this animal population that we hunt. It's a big, you know, thing in South Louisiana and across the country. It's really popular for folks to hunt turkeys or other wildlife. Um, that's a big economic boost to the state. There's obviously a lot of important outcomes from that. And so being able to really understand um, how the human side of it interacts with the, the natural side of it. So we went, we did this massive project on watching hunters actually move through the woods and how that affected these populations. And we did this, you know, obviously a big research project wow. and everything, but really like it was, it was, it was good for me because it was unstructured. I was actually doing the project in Louisiana. There was no oversight. They gave me the topic. They gave me the tools to succeed. And we're like, we'll talk to you in a couple of months. Go, wow. want you to collect these types of data points. And, you know, as a, as a, I guess I was like 22, 23, um, year kid really having to just dig in and figure out what to do. Mm. No process was, was, I think I didn't know it at the time. It was very, very important, um, yeah. for, for my kind of entrepreneurial journey. Interesting. Um, so yeah, uh, when you graduated, what did you end up doing and especially taking this career further? Uh, did you stay in environmental science, do anything along those lines? What did that look like? Yeah, so I did. So I, you know, um, I got recruited out of, out of grad school for a company back in Baton Rouge, um, yep. in, in the environmental science space. And so I ended up getting hired before I even graduated, really good job. Um, and it was essentially like we were the liaison for, uh, big oil and gas companies. And so they would hire my firm to consult. So if, if you're, let's say you're Exxon and you want to put a pipeline in somewhere in South Louisiana, there's a lot of environmental due diligence, a lot of engineering due diligence, all these things that have to happen. So I was on the environmental side. And so we would go out, look at these pieces of property, talk to our clients and understand what exactly they wanted to do. And we would help them get the proper permitting, do the proper research to actually be able to to, to do the, 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 the particular projects. Got it. Yeah. Um, yeah, going from there, uh, what kind of time period was this? We can get a scope um, on when uh, some of your more ventures came and then Fat Earth eventually. Yeah, so this was just, like I said, just out of grad school. Um, yep. So this would have been like 
2014 to 2016, 20, in middle of 2016. Got it. Um, and so I, yeah, I got that job immediately ended up moving to their Houston office. I was trying to, I was following a girl to Texas. So I, I was trying to get to Austin. So I made my way to Houston knowing I could eventually get there. Yeah. And I, I just didn't really love the work. I started mm. to realize like the inevitability of these projects, they, they were going to happen, whether, whether I did my job well or not. And I really realized there at, at that particular job that my interests were more in the customer service side and mm. more in the, the client relationships and seeing these big projects through to completion and not necessarily like deep in the weeds on the technical side. I realized quickly that I was the only person in the room usually who was like picking their head up and thinking about like, what is this all in service of, right? Mm. We get super deep in this really scientific technical world, which was obviously very important but we kind of lost sight of like, all right, what are we trying to do here? What's the goal? And yeah. I think that was something that would frustrate me a little bit. And again, going back to like, as a, I didn't really know how, I wasn't mature enough to like voice my opinions and get things changed in a very productive way. Um, so then timeframe wise, you know, I didn't, I was getting kind of maybe to the end of my rope there with that particular job mm -hmm. and got an opportunity to um, go on this travel program called Remote Year. And they take, you know, they take uh, professionals, whatever, but it doesn't matter what field you're in, but who can work remotely around the world for 12 years, you get a different country every month for 12 months, and they kind of handle all the logistics. Well, that time, a lot of my work was like very dependent on where I was. I was doing field work, doing this on the ground research. And yeah. so I started applying for all these random jobs. Um, and the ones that kept catching my attention were in the marketing field, specifically, um, like entry level Google AdWords or Facebook media buying jobs. I kept applying to them and I wasn't getting any reply because I had zero, um, zero experience. Mm. So I started reading about like what these jobs really entailed, what were the keystrokes. And I'm thinking like, okay, I'm, I think I'm a pretty smart guy. I'm hardworking. I'll just like teach myself how to do it. So I started taking all these Google courses, just immerse myself in everything. Google still couldn't get an interview or a job. And so actually like, um, the next thing I did, I got really frustrated. I just, I took some, some ads out on Craigslist and I said like for hire Google AdWords services. And I wrote up a bunch of descriptions and talked about the, the process I would go through uh, to, to service these accounts. And I took, I made a bunch of fake accounts or a bunch of email accounts at Austin, New York, LA. And like immediately I started getting phone calls and I don't, I never actually landed any jobs from that Craigslist outreach. But I ended up getting a, a, an interview from a, a high-end restaurant group here in Austin, Texas. And at that time, I met another person who was in the digital marketing space. And I kind of chickened out a little bit. I was like, come with me on this interview. I was like, I'm nervous. They're going to ask me questions I don't understand. Kind of had that imposter syndrome sink in. And so uh, she came and she joined with me. <laughs> and we ended up not getting the work because I don't think we really were qualified for it. But yeah. she was so impressed that she was like, well, I have some actual – actually, I have some like kind of spillover Google Ads work that I don't want to do, do you want to do it? And she paid me like a couple hundred bucks a month to run Google AdWords for kind of a well-known brand here in Austin. Um, and wow. the rest was really history. And so ended up that snowballed into like a full consultant role for this really small agency. It was really just me and her and like two other people who were freelancing. Um, and again, like I really quickly realized like I was really good at the marketing part, mm. um, but I was really, really good at the customer relationships part, like my ability to tell a story and to really teach clients how to ask the right questions and to kind of provide this value that maybe went beyond like, 
you know, keybacks or, you know, lookalikes in Facebook. Yeah. Um, and that's really kind of how it all started. Um, wow. And just really loved the marketing and uh, loved kind of helping businesses and really getting in deep and really understanding like what their their actual questions were, their actual needs were and figuring out solutions to to their problems, you know, by yeah. leveraging these these marketing disciplines. For sure. Uh, working with this lean team, even when it was like really just you, what did uh, some of your roles look like, especially some of your, maybe your scope of offerings to those clients that you bring on com in comparison to Fat Earth today? Was it, were yeah. you doing everything hands-on yourself pretty much? Yeah, everything hands-on. I mean, so I ended up um, leaving the job that I had originally. Um, mm -hmm. some, some things happened and we ended up parting ways. And then I was, so I didn't have really any work to do because this person had kind of owned all the contracts, everything was gone. So mm -hmm. I went from having a full book of business to being essentially unemployed um, and I was like, okay, well, let's just do it. Let's figure out how to go. And I just started uh, reaching out to my network, reaching out to people who I thought would, would be able to, you know, help me get started. A buddy of mine was like, Hey, my dad works for this restaurant group. And they're looking for a new website. Can you do it? And I was like, absolutely. So I dove in, I'd never built a website before. I had a contact from a previous role who was a developer, got him on board. And I made a little bit of money doing it. Maybe, you know, a couple hundred bucks, literally, um, but got good experience. And I just kind of started to snowball. And then I was just putting myself out there with my friends and colleagues, getting little white labeled assignments from other agencies. I mean, those services at that time were like whatever I could get. And I was doing everything, copywriting, you know, troubleshooting, Google Tag Manager. And I think that's always probably been one of my skill sets too, is just like jumping in head first. Yeah. You know, in this world, like frankly, still the case. Um, the half-life of a really good marketer these days is probably six months, if you're not paying attention, like you're going to lose, you know, the, the ins and outs of these pretty complex for and sure. ever changing platforms. Uh, so yeah, back then, like I was just testing things out. I was working for uh, gyms in, in town who needed to acquire new customers working for restaurants. Um, yeah. And so that's kind of how it snowballed. And um, I was always big into Facebook advertising. And so I was doing, you know, first couple of clients, we were doing all, I was doing all their paid media, all their copywriting, helping them with email, Troubleshooting their websites and really just being a kind of a do it all or jack of all trades consultant. It's amazing. I'm curious at that time, what uh, what did bandwidth look like? How many clients would you bring on? I mean, that's pretty heavy scope for one person. I mean, early on, um, I would do anything. If someone asked me to do something, I would say yes, unless I felt like I couldn't reasonably fulfill the scope. Like yeah. if, if it was way over my head, but I always kind of knew like if I felt like by working really hard, I could give the person the proper output at the end of the day, then I would just take the work. And a lot of times I was very inefficient. I was making very little, you know, dollars per hour, but I knew it was experience and I didn't, I didn't, at that point I didn't have a lot of work, maybe even two or three clients at a time, you know, I, and they were never really overlapping in a meaningful way where I was really tapped out. Now I probably was working a lot because I was building process and thinking, you know, learning some of this stuff on the fly. Um, it took a while and I didn't really get busy until one of a, a friend of mine introduced me to another agency who was white labeling my services. Um, and so not my favorite business model, but as someone starting out, it was a really good opportunity for me. I, don't, I actually don't think agencies should, should do a lot of that, uh, maybe in some particular cases, but there's a lot of things that kind of get lost in translation there. But it gave me, I went from, you know, just kind of managing to all of a sudden getting, getting access and getting to look behind the curtains of a, of an agency and 
getting introduced to some some brands that were that were pretty pretty awesome and that was really kind of the start of it yeah i'd like to get into that transition from kind of working more locally gyms restaurants and then moving into d to c which much of your business is today what was that time period like was it this transition transition that you're describing right now um that yeah, it happened pretty yeah it happened pretty quickly so i got introduced to an agency out of uh out of california they, in hindsight, ended up being not super well run and they were really taking advantage, or I shouldn't say taking advantage, leveraging a lot of outsourced labor. Mm. And so I got plugged into that system through a recommendation from a friend. And very quickly, what ended up happening was uh, I was working my tail off. Like, I, this was a huge opportunity for me. And I dove in head first. And I had a handful of clients and was running all of their media buying and then reporting into a like a more senior manager who was doing a lot of the client relationship stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was just grinding and I was getting paid per account. So going as many as I could, um, I was just doing like a really, you know, the best work that I could possibly do. And I was still maintaining a few relationships on the side for my own agency. Yep. Um, and so that snowballed and a couple of clients are like asking for me by name as those relationships directly with that agency had deteriorated. They kind of kept me in mind and I ended up working directly for some of those those companies wow. and during that same time period, another guy that was the person who actually introduced me to that original agency uh, ended up becoming my business partner. So we started Fat Earth, um, particularly to service like mission driven brands. You kind of you know see the roundabout way of, of my environmental science background, and yep. maybe you're picking out some of the details of the name of the company. So John and I and another John, we started Fat Earth Media, really not as a, an attempt to build an agency but because we both wanted to take a vacation. And I was like, well, let's start an agency. We'll formalize it. We'll get maybe one or two uh, part-time employees to help us. And when you want to take some time off, I'll handle all of your client when clients. When, when I want to take some time off, you'll handle all my clients and we'll just, we'll share the revenues that way. Um, yeah. So we started growing it pretty quickly. And about six or eight months in, we were both in New York together on separate trips. He was like, hey, man, can we go to lunch? We met for lunch. We sat down. I could tell he was anxious. Uh, he's an amazing guy, by the way. I love him. But he was like, hey, man, like I got this really big opportunity. I need to, to leave Fat Earth. Well, we hadn't even really started yet. And so like this kind of anxiety washed over. Like, how am I possibly going to execute all this work? Mm -hmm. um, so he and I negotiated the, 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 his offboarding and kind of how the, the, the company would be handled. And then I immediately had to hire a few people just to like not – not misstep on the execution of the work that I was being required to do. Yeah. And the rest was history. And like, I, I didn't really ever intend to set out. I didn't ever set out intending to start an agency, but that, that pathway of him getting this other opportunity and leaving and giving me more work that I can do and having to hire to fulfill it really wow. like broke something open for me. I was like, yeah, wow, this is, this is awesome. Um, yeah. And then, and then fast forward a little bit, 20 going to 2020 pandemic really starts to hit um and the my, you know our phones in, in the marketing world like never really stopped um yeah. ringing and with that previous agency i was assigned to the magic spoon account and i so mm -hmm. i was the, the facebook ad buyer behind magic spoon's launch wow. uh, so gabby and greg are still i'm so close with them obviously an amazing company i was kind of in the right place at the right time but i really like worked my fingers to the bone for for them and I think the rest was kind of history. And so we got pushed into the CPG food and beverage space through our experience and through our success um, with Magic Spoon. Wow. Really. 
Amazing. I would love to talk about uh, kind of that pandemic period and what, what kind of growth you saw with both the marketing digital world and especially for Fat Earth. Um, clientele, say employee size, did it, what, what did that scale look like from 2020 going forward? Yeah, so early 2020, I think we had six employees, maybe maybe four, maybe four. I think four in the beginning of the year, maybe six or seven and, and probably 10 by the end of the year. Yeah. By the end of 2021, we had um, about 18 or 19. And this year right now we have like 35. Wow. So it was pretty rapid. Um, and then like revenue growth was kind of, you know, pretty big jump from 2020 to 2021. And then again, not double, but a, a nice gradual growth. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the, the pandemic was was um, was really difficult for a lot of our clients, depending on what, what sector they were in. Mm. Uh, but it was also beneficial for others. And then the types of clients that we ended up working with during the pandemic were were a little bit benefited from the pandemic because a lot of our clients were food and beverage, and yeah. obviously shopping in grocery or shopping online was was good. But we actually, I think, the one thing that we that we did that was smart and we gave our clients this, this recommendation too, like don't build your entire future planning and everything off of these couple of months or this year, because when things go back to normal, we want to be poised to be a well-run business or well-run agency. And so I think we, we put a lot of time and attention into that question of what's this going to look like? Yeah. And, it, and you see that happening kind of right now, things are, are changing rapidly in, in the world we work in. And so we put a lot of time and effort into building out our, our agency internally. So we turned down work that we didn't necessarily want to take. We made introductions to other agencies just to say, look, we, we want to go a little bit slower. We want to build something at Fat Earth that's really meaningful and long lasting. We want to focus on our mission. We want to focus on our employees. And it's not for us growth at all costs. We yeah. really want to build, you know, in a way that doesn't burn our employees out. We want to build in a way that doesn't leave this, long you know wake of, of unhappy clients because that's what i had seen at that first agency i worked with they essentially had an amazing sales team and very little to, to deliver mm. uh, and they were ended up they land two clients and lose one or land three and lose two and i always knew like i really did not want to be that person so we you know middle of 2021 we kind of slowed everything down we said we're going to only take really amazing accounts that we that we really align with and we're going to put a lot of time and effort into our internal processes we yeah. we we move from asana to ClickUp, which if you're out there listening like i think ClickUp is amazing um yeah. and we really just like memorialize everything that we do as an agency um and from there it's been it's been really tremendous um we've grown our services i think the quality of work we're doing now is better than ever because we we really understand how to deliver seamlessly everybody is um you know as as much on the same page as we can be yeah. the, the, the tricky part is that like our products and services are are going to change forever we're never going to get to a point where everything is just set in stone because the 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 the, the environment that we're working in changes yeah. we're delivering the same product or service two years from now we're probably going to be out of business so it's kind of a challenge for a marketing agency that's always trying to stay really relevant and really on top of the trends and, sure. and what's kind of cutting edge. But when you build those good systems and you you teach your your organization how to manage change and how to deal with change, yeah. then you can say, look, TikTok is really hot right now. Let's spin up a, a, a platform for that. 
let's research it, let's get really good at it, and let's offer it to our clients in a way that is is significant. Um, and so I think for us having those platforms internally um, to, to manage that rapid change is what's going to be our competitive advantage as an agency over time. For sure. I'm curious, uh, from your POBS founder, what, what do you look for in a client or a company that you typically bring on? So maybe you might reject some and you might take on some because of mission or product. What does that look like? Yeah, so I mean, we have an internal checklist that goes through a couple different things. Uh, first is products. So we have really tried to align ourselves with mission-driven brands, right? Uh, you think the moshes of the world. We have a client, Water Lost, who makes this amazing clothing out of recycled material, and they donate a lot of money back to marine science research. And so our, our objective as a company is to elevate the baseline of consumer behavior. And what we really mean by that is if we put our, we think we're experts, if we put our time and attention behind client or brand A that is doing it, in our opinion, the right way, instead of client B who's maybe doing it the easier way, that we can affect how consumers actually purchase. That's our first criteria. Not every single one of our brands has a very specifically stated mission. Yeah. We think that all of our brands are set out and exist for good reasons. All right. Backing up a little bit, when Facebook got so cheap and became became a viable business model on its own, I'm going to spin up product Y and sell it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. We started asking, like, does that product need to exist? That's kind of our first criteria. Yeah. Um, and beyond that, it's like, do we feel like we have a good fit with the founder or the founding team? Um, are they going to match our level of assertiveness? Are they going to match our level of hard work and dedication? Is this yeah. a side project for them? Like we really, and I don't mean this in a, in a negative way, we really want to work with professionals, people sure. who come to the table who really want to succeed and who are willing to like match our level of input. Yeah. Uh, and when we do that, especially when we, when we find that, and we we line up on the mission side, we end up with these incredible relationships, right? Like we're working for a company called Back to the Roots. Mm-hmm. Nikhil and Alex are like amazing. We've got to be good friends. And we really connect because we believe in what their company is trying to do. Mm. And it's it's been, it's, it just makes things easier. Like we're not coming to the table only looking at the bottom line. We're thinking about, yeah. well, we reached a lot of people who are benefiting from your product. And so it makes it, it, makes it a bit different. Um, we don't really disqualify people for revenue, like wholesale. We, we try to work with, with folks who either um, have enough runway to really give the digital marketing test an honest shot. Yeah. Um, we take plenty of clients who are you know, looking to scale or, or maybe have an untested product if we think that the founders um, are coming to the table with a, with a real uh, a buyer, you know what I mean? For sure, for sure. I'd love to get into kind of from the POV of a client, perhaps uh, say someone's going to join Fat Earth. What does that experience, that kind of customer journey look like? Um, I know you offer a wide range of scope of services, but what, what would that onboarding look like? And what does that kind of relationship look like going forward? Yeah, so, um, you know, we're, we're a growing agency, so our onboarding process is always changing and improving. But yeah. What we really want to do is let our clients know where they are in that process at all times. I think it's really important and that filters down to the same same way we treat weekly reporting. Um, but really what people come to us for and why we've done very little sales ever for ourselves is because we've been supported by word of mouth referrals. Mm. And the feedback that we get all the time is that go to Fat Earth if you want to be treated like a true partner. And so we really try to ingratiate ourselves into our clients' businesses and really understand what it is that they're trying to achieve and offer our services 
in a way that's helpful for that. Offer our um, our advice and our guidance by understanding who they are and what they want to be, not just like, okay, we're running Facebook for you. So that onboarding on a more technical side is, is pretty thorough. If you're going to come to us for email marketing and Facebook, we're going to have a pretty lengthy, our creative team is going to lead a pretty lengthy tone of voice and aesthetic onboarding. We're going to deliver you, you know, on the email side, some one sheeters that show all the designs. You're going to get sample call to actions. And we're going to talk about why you like them and why you don't so that we can just continue to hit the ground running as we progress. And every month we do the deliverables, we're going to get better and better. So we really try to take time to understand the objectives of, you know, yeah, some companies yeah. come to us and say, look, we're VC funded. It's acquisition at all costs. And so we keep that in mind when we're making our decisions. Some of our yeah. clients say, look, we're, we got three people here. We're not VC funded. We're bootstrapped. Every purchase has to be extremely profitable. And so we take that into account. We're not going to say, let's launch seven new channels on your third month. If we know that you're trying to be profitable, but if yeah. you really just want to blow your launch out of the water, that's going to be a totally different approach. And so having those, those, those deep conversations in the onboarding process is, uh, is really important for us. Amazing. Well, I'd like to conclude each episode with this. If you could share one piece of advice with an aspiring entrepreneur, maybe something you've learned or regret, what would you say that'd be? Oh man. Um, I mean, look, you're going to, you're going to do something as an entrepreneur, you're going to have to roll your sleeves up. I think a lot of people get in the mindset of like, I, I want to make money quickly. And they think that their time is too important. And if you're, I think if you're a young entrepreneur or an entrepreneur who's just starting out, you're going to have to get into the weeds. You're going to have to do things you don't want to do. You know, I was doing all my own invoicing until very recently, but there's a lot of things that you don't see that are behind the scenes that are that you really have to just be prepared to tackle. Yeah. Um, the other thing I would say is like, don't burn bridges. I think for me particularly, um, relationships have been and will continue to be probably the most valuable and important part of my personal success, and my agency success. Mm -hmm. And like this is marketing, digital marketing is a small world. There's yeah. enough work for all of us to do. It's like how you... When you look, if you're an agency owner, you're going to lose clients in the way that you lose those with class or, you know, sending people off in a way that makes them feel like they were taken care of and that you actually, that you actually did care is really, really important. I think reputation is, goes a long way and, you know, treat people with empathy, I think is a, is a really big part of, of what makes a successful business. For sure. Well, John, thank you so much for joining me today and to the listeners out there, make sure to check out fat earth at fat earth.com. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Starting Small. If you would, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small Pod on social platforms to keep up to date on future guests.